A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hello, my loves. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. You have a solo episode today. It is just me. And in this episode, for a start off, let's go with a bit of a trigger warning, um, but not the kind of trigger warning that perhaps you might be used to. This is because today I want to talk about something that I have found online that is entitled, drumroll please that's me on my counter, the estranged parents perspective. Yeah, I know. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And I think for some people, it might be quite enraging. And for some people, it might be something that you recognise from your own lived experiences. And I can fully appreciate how that can be especially when you recognise some of the things that have been said and you just find it so mind-boggling. But not only am I going to talk about this thing that I have found online, it's a meme that I found. It was shared on a public page um, for estranged parents and I wasn't looking for estranged parents stuff. I'm very much somebody who believes that every single person, regardless of who you are and what you've done, deserves a space to speak to people and to hopefully overcome and heal. In a lot of these places, it just feeds their own delusions and feeds their own senses of grandeur and and toxicity. But there is the hope that they will find community healing and that they'll be able to be self-aware and reflect on the things that they have done. That's not necessarily going to be the case, but I very much believe in not invading spaces that are entitled for other people. So I don't. And I get frustrated when toxic parents come to my pages and attack the people who are commenting there or attack me because I'm like look guys this clearly wasn't created for you if it doesn't resonate with you or it triggers you in some way that is your responsibility to look into that seeking it out and contacting me and having a temper tantrum because your adult child now doesn't speak to you after following me and realizing that your behavior is not something they have to put up with is not going to make them talk to you 
you have to do some self-reflection and some work and you have to put the effort into being better. So I try really hard to live by what I expect from others and not invade those spaces. But whilst I was looking for some estrangement communities, that particular one came up and it was a public page. And I couldn't not see the very first big glaring post that was on there. And it was this meme. And I was so... For a start, it takes a lot to shake me or to shooketh me. It takes something to really make me go, oh, wow, that is okay. Because I speak to people daily on this topic. I work with clients constantly who have experienced horrendous abuse from their, their family members and in particular their parents. So to find something that made me think, gosh, this really is just the delusion is there for everyone to see was big and I wanted to bring it to you I've talked about it on TikTok but for those of you that do not follow along over on that community which is at Toby and Rue or at Unfollowing Mum then I think this warrants its own podcast episode just to kind of highlight to people that this isn't just your parent and this isn't just a one person's a bit toxic and this is the attitude. This is a much wider societal attitude towards parenting, how we should behave around parents and towards emotional abuse. So let's get into it. Okay, so I'm going to go point by point on this bad boy. And I think the the title itself is The Estranged Parent's Perspective. And it's obviously, it's not going to speak for how every estranged parent thinks. But I am also going to read you some of the comments that were underneath this thing. Because this is, it, it captured me and I couldn't really, I couldn't look away. It was a bit like watching a car crash. I was just baffled by the ignorance and the delusion of grandeur and all of that, that good stuff. So I'm going to go point by point on it. And the first point here is adult children are not the ultimate authorities about what happened in their childhood. Now, I find the language that's been used there really telling and really interesting. The ultimate authorities. It speaks to quite a black and white attitude and an unwillingness to bend. And the idea that it's almost like scoffing at the idea that you could be the ultimate authority over one of these parents over your parent after all they're older than you they clearly know better than you so they you can't be the ultimate authority like obviously not and what I will say is adult children are not the ultimate authorities on what happened in their childhood this is a really nuanced one because in some ways no we are not you have different memories and you experience things differently to the way that other people do so when we look at how our parents will have experienced our childhood and we look at how our parents will have remembered our childhood it will be very different to how we remember it and how we experienced and the same again for how our siblings remember it and experienced it You're not necessarily the ultimate authority about what happened, but you are the ultimate authority on how it felt to you. You are the ultimate authority on how you experienced that. That is what counts there. And this is where that black and white thinking becomes so problematic. It's almost like a denial and an invalidation. Well, it's not even almost like it is a denial and an invalidation of how you experience certain events, how you may have been impacted by your parents drinking, how you may have been impacted by your parents separating, how you may have been impacted by the sibling always being favoured. 
whatever the scenario is, if you are going to a parent and saying, this is what happened and this is how I remember it, when they turn around and say, you're not the ultimate authority, you don't, you don't know if that was what happened, as opposed to saying, God, I'm really sorry that that is how you experienced that. This is how I remember it, which is completely different. And that must be really difficult for you that that was how you experienced it as a child. How can I help to repair that? How can I listen to what you're saying and hear you and validate those feelings? A simple, gosh, that that must have been a really awful experience for you as a child and I'm really sorry that I made you feel that way. Boom, job done. That's what the majority of us are asking for and I feel like the you're not the ultimate authority is such an instantaneous invalidation that that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the meme to be honest with you. Now this next one was quite interesting it says just because you check a few boxes on a survey doesn't mean your parent is a narcissist and actually I think that one's pretty fair and I agree with that and I quite often will get people say to me oh yeah my parent is is bipolar my parent is a narcissist my parent is this and okay, perhaps your parent does have a diagnosis. Perhaps you've experienced enough of these things to be able to come to the conclusion that that is how you view that person. But we do have to be careful applying medical diagnoses to people when we don't have the qualifications to do so. In saying my parent has narcissistic behaviours and my parent acts like a narcissist, you're not diagnosing MPD. And you are completely capable of acknowledging that that is the behavior that you have been presented with. You are completely capable of acknowledging that these are the behaviors you have lived with, grown up with, and these are your experiences. And that's how you feel about their behavior. Because you're not saying this is they are this particular type of diagnosis. You're saying this is their behavior. So yes, the nuance is in the language. And if you do a survey and it comes back as your parent is a narcissist, or your parent has this insert mental illness insert diagnosis here that can be really problematic for you because it's not giving you the opportunity to flex yourself it's not giving you the opportunity to work with things and it can also breed an attitude of empathy sympathy making excuses when what you're being faced with is abuse you're entitled to say my parent behaves like a narcissist. My parent has narcissistic behavioral traits. We all, by the way, have narcissism. We all, by the way, have narcissism. We touched on that in the episode with Helen Villers, who is a specialist in narcissistic parents and parental abuse. And yes, we all have narcissism. We have healthy narcissism, which is what makes us think that we should be able to go for a promotion, that kind of thing. But then we also have toxic narcissism, which is the kind of behavior that you've experienced from a parent. So no, checking a few boxes on a survey doesn't mean that your parent is a narcissist, but your lived experiences do mean that you're allowed to say, my parent acts like a narcissist and has narcissistic behavioral traits. So yeah, it's it's, it's nuanced, isn't it? And I think I feel very passionate about avoiding diagnosing people with anything at all, unless you have worked with that parent. And another one of the the things that comes up a bit later on in this meme is unless your therapist has met your parent, their diagnosis of them may be completely incorrect. And again, I agree with that one. No therapist is diagnosing your parent 
but they may say to you, that sounds like narcissistic abuse. That sounds like your parent has their own X, Y, Z that they need to work on. And then they will reroute it to how can they help you because you're the priority in their session. No therapist who is qualified is sitting there saying, yep, your parent has bipolar. Uh, your parent has this. Your parent has... It's just, it's just not reality, but it is what happens in the minds of these estranged parents that you've got a therapist who's sat there going, well, I'm diagnosing your parent with this and you can now go ahead and have this pop culture diagnosis. It just doesn't happen. It's an excuse and and something that enables them to dodge accountability yet again, simply because it can be passed on to your therapist is unethical because they diagnose me. No, they didn't. They said that sounds like narcissistic behavior and narcissistic abuse. They might have said, it sounds like your mum is very narcissistic, not diagnosis. So no, unless your therapist has sat in a room with the parent, treated the parent, and as well as at a qualification level to diagnose people. I'm a qualified coach. I'm certified. I'm not qualified to diagnose people. I have some amazing peers and people who I really look up to who are leagues ahead in the field that I'm currently studying in, which is counselling and therapy. They are qualified therapists, psychotherapists. They are not qualified to diagnose people because you have to go for a certain level of qualification. So no, therapists might not be qualified to diagnose your parent, but that is not the reality of what's happening when they tell you, you are suffering a narcissistic abuse situation. You are being emotionally abused by a parent who appears to have some kind of mental health trauma. And in passing that book, it's just to dodge accountability yet again. Next up was one of my favourites. And I was actually quite surprised to see this so boldly just put, but I, I don't know why I was because I hear it all the time. It says, actually, you do owe your parents. And what I would put to you as a parent, and especially if you are an adult child who really struggles with this, of I do owe my parent, they did this, they did everything, they gave up a career, they did, what do you owe your parent for? What do you owe them? And what do these toxic parents feel you are in debt to them for? Is it love? Because should we ever really be in debt for love or kindness or empathy? Should we ever be in debt and owing someone for fulfilling their responsibility? As in putting a roof over your head, feeding you, clothing you, keeping you alive for 18 years and, and they're the bare minimum and I can assure you I speak to so very many people who didn't even experience that. So do we owe our parents for those obligations that they legally are required to fulfill those responsibilities? It's a legal, never mind moral, responsibility that you undertake when you choose to have children. In what way are you owed for that? And also, what do these parents feel they are owed? What is it? If we, if we quantify it, what is it that you are owed? Are you owed your child's time? Are you owed your child's obedience? Are you owed your adult child's sacrifice of their own family, their own happiness? What is it that you feel owed? And what makes you feel entitled to that? Because when I look at my own kids, what, what do they owe me? nothing. You're not in debt to somebody for being 
raised. You're not in debt to somebody for being loved. You can't be in debt for love. And these parents who shout, actually, you owe your parent. I clothed you. I feed you. They are the same ones who will say, I love you unconditionally. My mum used to say it all the time. I love you unconditionally. Whilst then going ahead and putting that big fat condition on it of, you owe me. You're somehow in debt to me purely for what? For genetics? For DNA? What <laughs> What are you in debt for? What are you owing someone for? And that there immediately removes the unconditional element of that love that a parent is supposed to give to their child. And you can argue until you're blue in the face that you owe some kind of compensation for years of looking after you and that you owe them now looking after them. But if that's the reason that you've had children and that's the reason that you've chosen to be a parent, that's a pretty piss poor reason so that they can look after you when you're old, so that they can be in debt to you and you can hang it over them. That's a pretty piss poor reason and that makes you kind of a douche canoe. Now this next one, I think it's actually a really good example of something called Darvo. Now, I know we've talked about Darvo on the podcast before, but if you haven't heard those episodes and you haven't come across the term, then it is a narcissistic or emotional abuse tactic, and it's actually an acronym that means defensive, attacking, and then reverse victim offender roles. Ignore the roles at the end, but we know that's what we mean. And I think this next one is actually a really good example of Davo in play. And it's written there for everybody to see. So the next one is estranging an involved grandparent who never abused your child is child abuse and elder abuse. So let's break this down. Estranging an involved grandparent who never abused your child. That in itself is defensive. I never abused a child. And then it goes on to say is child abuse. Well, from my experience, the one thing that the majority of people who have experienced childhood trauma due to abusive parents, whatever type of abuse they have faced, their biggest fear is that they are like their parent and that they will go on to repeat patterns, not break cycles and to harm their own children without accountability. It's something that genuinely distresses people because they don't want their children to experience the same things that they did. So that there is child abuse, that's your attack. That's accusing you of the one thing that they know is something that you fear and that you don't want to be associated with. And then of course, and elder abuse, reversing the role from you being the victim, somebody who has had to make the really difficult decision to essentially orphan themselves and then take their children along for the ride with it in order to protect those children from suffering through the same experience that you had. You're no longer the victim. You're now the offender because you're the abuser. This is elder abuse. So you can see it right there in a great pattern just laid out for you. Estranging an involved grandparent who never abused your child defensiveness is child abuse attack and elder abuse reversing the role of victim and offender and this tactic let me tell you let me tell you something it is so common 
And we often hear it referred to as playing the victim. It's something that a lot of my clients and people that I speak to will say, oh yeah, my mum, mums in particular are really good at playing the victim. You know, everybody feels sorry for her. She reels them all in. My own mother did it. And we saw, I've spoken many a time about my mum turning up at the bottom of the school gates, encouraging another grandparent to... um, support her and facilitate her being able to meet up with my kids without my knowledge that was her playing the victim and she does it really well and it's something that is so common in these narcissistic parents and the way that they behave with this emotional abuse so when I hope I'm hoping that laying out there Davo you'll be able to look at different scenarios and go oh my god that's an example of that oh my god that was that as well and actually see it for what it is and the reason that this is such a commonly used tactic is because it is a form of gaslighting it is a way to make you doubt yourself it's a mind game in order to play on your biggest insecurities that you are in fact the problem when you're not and in order to make you retreat to make you bend to their will to enforce their control over you what's upset the parent who wrote this is that they are estranged from not only their child whom they can no longer control and abuse but they now also don't have the relationship with the grandchild who they feel entitled to just because they're titled to them and then rather than look inwardly and be self-reflective they've chosen to attack and then to reverse the role so that they are centered as the victim it's centering of self it's victim role play and it's bullshit addressing the actual complaint as well of you know it's child abuse and it's elder abuse of course it is not of course it is not for a start child abuse As a parent, it is our responsibility to make difficult choices that we feel are necessary in order to protect our children and for them to be able to grow up in a safe, healthy environment. And we have to make those choices constantly. My kids don't want to go to school in the morning and my eldest doesn't want to do his homework. But I have to make those choices to say to him, we've got to do that. That's something that you've got to do. My kids would eat chocolate for breakfast every day. I can't allow them to do that because I have to be a responsible parent who says, actually, that's going to give you all manner of problems. If you do, we need to eat in moderation. You would see in no other relationship a person turn around to you and say, well, you know, my daughter really wanted a relationship and had a great relationship with this man that she works with. I know she's only 15 and he's 27, but they got on so well and she really wants to get to know him a bit better. We're inviting him round for tea and encouraging it. I didn't know you wouldn't. You'd be like, what the hell is going on there? And she'd be going, I want to spend time with him. We're in love. And you'd be going, great, that's not going to happen. Any responsible parent would be stepping in and saying, actually, I appreciate how frustrating that is for you, but sometimes I have to make difficult decisions that you're not going to like because this is what keeps you safe. And that's exactly the same in this scenario. Perhaps the child had a relationship with a grandparent. Perhaps your child has a relationship with a grandparent and will say, how can we don't talk to Nana anymore? Or how can we don't talk to, to Grandad anymore? And the reason is you can't trust that person to be around your child and you've made the decision to protect that child. What I do with my own children is talk to them openly, 
honestly in an age-appropriate manner without bad-mouthing and say to them, my mum's behaviour towards me was really unkind. I was recognising her doing similar things that she'd done to me when I was a child to Reuben and I wasn't going to tolerate it. Therefore, I've made a really difficult decision to say she's no longer going to be in our lives. And I, I have not enjoyed making that decision, but that's something that I felt was necessary. As your mum, I'm responsible for that. However, when you get to 18, if you want to have a relationship with her then that is absolutely your choice because you will be responsible for that relationship, for those choices, for looking out for yourself. But at this moment in time, while I'm responsible for you, it's just not going to happen. And I've spoken to a reasonable amount of people who were the grandchild in that scenario where their parents had cut off their toxic grandparent and the amount of problems that they had, not only with their grandparent bad-mouthing the parent, their grandparent trying to create a rift between parent and child, but also subtle things that were impacting their mental health because they were aimed at them and they became the target. It is so common and it's so subtle, even within my own family unit. There were so many things that we didn't know Reuben had experienced with my mum until after we'd cut ties with her and he started to talk and open up about it. And he said to me a few times, there are still things I haven't really told you about mummy that I don't think I'll ever really do it because I just don't like it and I don't think that she was very nice. Where did that come from? Because it didn't come from us. It came from his own experiences. So no, it's certainly not child abuse to stop your children from having a relationship with someone who doesn't respect you, doesn't honour your boundaries, is likely to badmouth you and has a history of being abusive. And as for elder abuse, I mean, no. I've not even, I've got nothing, but I'm not even going to dignify it. Fuck off. No, I've got nothing. The next one after that is the unless your therapist has met your parent, their diagnosis may be completely incorrect. I feel like we've addressed that one. And I actually think, yes, I understand that. But, and it goes back to so many other things of where you're dodging that accountability. So I think there is a lot to be said in not diagnosing people that you are not qualified to or that you have not sat with in a therapy capacity. Equally, there's a lot to be said for acknowledging people's behavior around you and how that impacts you and not being afraid to use terms like narcissistic behavior like emotional immaturity like codependency enmeshment if you are educated on those terms and you can identify that those things have been used against you you absolutely can use those terms 100 percent. next up if your spouse requires that you estrange your otherwise good parents and i'm using air quotations here and you go along with it you have a shitty marriage two things on this point. If your spouse insists or requires that you estrange your good parents and you go along with it, you don't have a shitty marriage, you have an abusive marriage. Because if your spouse insists or coerces you to cut ties with parents who you have a good relationship with, no good parent would be gloating about that afterwards. And I had this a few weeks ago. Somebody had sent a comment on TikTok and she was actually really offended and let me know quite sternly, shall we say, that she was mortally offended by my response and thought that I was heartless. But the comment that she'd left was, my son didn't like that I pointed out that his girlfriend 
was abusive and now she's punched him in the face and he's had to leave her. He cut me off so now he's all alone. I mean, so I pointed out to her, it certainly doesn't sound like the only reason he'd cut her off was because the abusive girlfriend had demanded it. But not only that, the smugness in that comment of, and now he's all alone. with And she'd even use the emoji where it's like, you know, you put your hands up and it's like, oh, what, whatever, or uh-uh, I don't know. And perhaps she'd mis- misused that emoji so the tone was off. But I, I don't believe so for a second. I think that's just me being overly gracious. But the smugness was very telling of what type of parent she was. Because let's be frank here, the undertone of what she was saying was, he cut me off and now he's all alone, ha ha ha, he deserves it, he's he's reaping what he's sowing. And even if you might feel slightly vindicated in the I told you so, when it comes to your child being abused, how in what possible reality are you smug about that? And I went on to point out that quite often when we've had abusive parents growing up, that feels like home, that discomfort, that stress, that fight or flight response that you're constantly stuck in. So we subconsciously seek out what we know, which is why it's so common for people who have received narcissistic abuse from parents to end up marrying, dating, whatever, narcissistic people who then go on to abuse them as well. And I did point this out and she, like I say, was mortally offended and backtracked very quickly. But her original comment spoke volumes. It was like a told you so. So I told him and now he's reaped what he's sown. And that's what this reads like to me. If your spouse requires that you estrange your otherwise good parents and go along with it, you have a shitty marriage. No, you don't. If that was actually the reality of what had happened in this scenario, that is an abusive marriage. And whilst you can do very little when someone is being abused and their whole family and their friends, everybody around them in their inner circle who may be able to red flag that is slowly pushed away by the abuser, you are still there afterwards if they do manage to escape that relationship to support them, love them, look after them, say to them, hey, look, I know that this is how things happened. We became distant. I know you shut me out, but that's okay. I'm here, especially as a parent. I'm I'm here now that you've managed to get free from this abuse and you would do everything within your power to try and help them be free from that abuse. But that's not what happens when you have a narcissistic or toxic parent and they can shout from the rafters an otherwise good parent. Bollocks. It's not an otherwise good parent. It's a parent who has been abusive who has been toxic and then turns on the spouse because they cannot possibly believe that you could make this decision for yourself because you are not viewed as your own separate person if they're not pulling your strings well obviously it must be a spouse that's doing it obviously or perhaps it's the in-laws or perhaps it's the friends or whatever it might be it can't possibly be that you could think for yourself And it's so common to see spouses, friends, all the rest of them blamed for how an estrangement has come about without any self-reflection at all, none whatsoever. And I do think there's a murky water there if your spouse requires that you estrange. That in itself is a little bit 
on the knuckle really because if, if your spouse is saying to you you have to cut ties with this person that is not their decision to make and that would leave me in both my capacity as a coach and someone who has experienced it feeling very uncomfortable however it's not the same and I can say this from personal experience having a spouse turn to you and say I can't do this anymore can't live like this I can't watch you in pain every day with this person I can't have this person around my children I can't have this person around me I cannot do this anymore either we're going to go our separate ways and I wish you luck with everything and I'm always going to be here to support you but I need to get out because this is destroying me as well or you're going to have to have your some distance between you and your parent or they don't come over here you see them but they can't come to the house I don't want them in my home that's very different to you have to estrange from your parent but to a toxic parent it's not because it has to be their way or nothing if you go to a toxic parent and say look the way you speak to my wife I'm not gonna have you come around to our house anymore well then that's you estranging because they will not come and speak to you at all Because how dare you, how dare you set that boundary in response to their behaviour? Your response to their behaviour then becomes the problem, not their behaviour. So it's always a deflection. Now this one is something that I see quite a lot. In fact, I see it a lot. You, it it says, it is absurd to blame your parent for not using parenting standards that didn't exist when they were raising you. Now I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm pretty convinced it's never been particularly kosher to smack a child around the face, to starve a child, to leave a child at home 24-7 while you go off and do things, to be drunk around a child, use drugs. And quite often these are the things that I come across parents doing when I work with people and talk to people. But equally so, when I was growing up, my mum leaving me throughout the entirety of the summer holidays at home when I was quite young and I've talked about this on previous episodes was not considered normal it wasn't a parenting standard that isn't around today but there are some things that are different today and yes we do have the principle of know better do better and there will be parents out there who actually did do the best that they could do they did do what they thought was right you know spare the rod Um, spoil the child, that kind of crap. There will be parents out there who bought into that. I know that when my eldest child was growing up, we practiced crying out because everybody around us would say, no, that's what you need to do. And my husband and I would sit downstairs. Like Adam and I would literally sit downstairs in tears, finding it so difficult. But we didn't trust our instincts because our elders and our peers would all say, no, you need to sleep train, you need to do this. And we're going back 13 years here. There were also plenty of people who had educated themselves around sleep training and chosen not to make that choice because it didn't work for them. And I'm not judging parents who have chosen to do that because it worked for them and because it was the right choice. There are plenty of studies out there that show that it is not healthy for children, babies, to cry it out. It's not healthy for children to be left to cry for long periods of time. But if you don't know that, and if you haven't had the opportunity to learn that, like I hadn't, like many, many people haven't, 
and you choose to go down that because you think that that is what's going to be best for you, for your baby, or you are back in the 70s thinking that you should smack your child because that's that's what everybody tells you. You know, you've got to give them a smack on the ass, that kind of thing. I was smacked, which comes as no surprise to anybody. But even in healthy dynamics, I know people who were smacked because that was what you did. That was what was expected. And I get that. I absolutely get that. But I also know that the majority of adult children who are in a position to go to their parent and say, this is something that actually I remember it this way and it it really did a number on me. It really upset me. And it's something that I've carried with me. Like I really don't like doing X, Y, Z because I remember you did this when I was younger. Saw a great example not so long ago of someone brushing hair and she'd flinched when she caught a knot and her daughter said something to her and she said yeah my mum used to hit my head with the hairbrush when I was brushing hair my mum did that loads of people's parents did that there's jokes everywhere of how your parent would hit you on the head or scream at you when they were doing their hair because your role as a child back then was to sit quietly and allow your parent to dominate and do your hair and to get on with the task at hand whilst you were quiet, not bothering. And this parent did something that anybody who has had these experiences, no matter how big or small, is actively seeking out. She turned to her daughter and she said, and I used to do that to you. And God, I remember brushing your hair and screaming at you. That poor child, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I really thought that, you know, that was the way you you did it because that was how I was treated when I was little and god that poor little girl I'm really sorry that that was what I did I didn't know better and took accountability for it and validated and her daughter was like oh mum it's okay and it really made me feel emotional watching it because that's all people are asking for is that you'll validate the way that you made them feel growing up. And obviously what I'm talking about here are things that are smaller, smaller things that perhaps were considered the parenting norm back then, that their parents will have had things that were considered the parenting norm before that. We all have different things and I'm sure there will be things that I do as a parent that my kids will look back on and go actually why would you think that was okay and I would say because that was what we were told was the right thing to do and how to be a good parent and that was what I thought I was doing right and I can see now that that wasn't the right thing for you and I'm really sorry that that hurt you it's as simple as that now it gets much more nuanced and difficult when we're talking about bigger levels of abuse, where we're talking about neglect, when we're talking about any other type of abuse. It's not as simple as holding your hands up and saying, yeah, I did that and that happened. But even in those much bigger circumstances where there has been sustained abuse, it's taking accountability, changing behavior and working towards a repair and forgiveness that makes a difference even if that adult child chooses not to forgive you, even if that adult child chooses not to have you in your life, if there's been abuse, there's been neglect, there's been all of these different things that so many of us have experienced and they still turn around and say, hey, I see that you are changing the way that you are, but I I still don't want to have a relationship with you. They don't owe you a relationship and that's absolutely fine. But even in those instances, taking accountability makes a difference. Validating how that person felt makes 
a difference? That's what so many of us are asking for. And this attitude of just, it's absurd to blame your parents for not using parenting standards that didn't exist when they were raising you is so flippant and dismissive because we all know things change. But our willingness to change with them our willingness to reflect on our behaviours and go, oh yeah, no, I didn't know better then, but I do know better now, and let me hold my hands up to that, that was wrong, that should not change. That should be a consistent throughout your child's life to acknowledge that you get it wrong, to be accountable when you do get it wrong, and to validate their feelings when they come to you and explain that that's something that's caused them harm. Which leads me quite neatly into the final part of this estranged parent's perspective meme, It says, hurting your feelings is not the same as abusing you. Okay, hurting your feelings might not be the same as abusing you, but hurting your feelings and refusing to change your behaviour in order to avoid doing it again, being accountable for the hurt that you've caused and validating the way your adult child feels, that's the abuse. And I don't think I've got much more to say on that one, to be completely blunt with you. I think say less on that one because hurting your feelings might not be abuse. But when it is pointed out to you that you are hurting feelings, that you are causing harm, a complete unwillingness to change, a continuation of the behavior, that is abuse. Now that's the end of the meme, but I did want to point out some of the comments that were in response to this. So there was a first one that said, this is spot on. I hope Facebook does show it to my kids. They need to know that we are smart enough to figure them out. We did raise them after all. They aren't fooling anyone. And that in particular made me smile because it goes back to that, I know you better than you know yourself. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't know me at all. You don't know me at all. Not slightly. What you know is the version of me that you've abused for years. What you know is the version of me that you want me to be. You don't know me because you never took the time to get to know me. You never allowed me to become the person that I could be, the person that I might want to be, to explore who I might want to be because you were too busy moulding me and crafting me into what you wanted me to be and who you wanted me to be, what suited your needs, what suited your ideas of what a good daughter would be or a good son. You don't know me at all. And that's exactly how that read to me as, I know you better than you know yourself. And that's such a common phrase that's used. And another one said, many times all we can do is turn them over to God in prayer and go on with our lives searching for peace and joy where we can where we can find it. And if I had a penny for every toxic parent who tried to use God as an excuse or prayer or whatever to alleviate their own guilt, and this is something that we see quite commonly in all types of abusers and in all types of, of people who have caused harm, that they turn to God because that somehow absolves them from accepting the real responsibility which is on their shoulders and that's difficult that is difficult and this final one which (laughs) I read it out to Adam and we were both like what the fuck knuckles is that but it says amen my mantra no regrets no amends letter no apologies no shouldering the blame living selfishly healthy and it had 50 likes on it 
<laughs> no regrets. No amends. No apologies. No shouldering the blame. Living selfishly healthy. And that, my friends, is the crux. If a toxic parent is totally honest and just says exactly who they are and what they feel, that's who they are. Someone who has no interest in making amends, will never apologise, doesn't regret the things that they did, won't take any of the blame for the relationship failing and just lives selfishly. I think she's been a bit optimistic with healthy because that doesn't sound particularly healthy to me. But I do think that summarises quite neatly exactly how these people behave and exactly what this episode has been about. It's not you. It's definitely your parent. And you have every right to protect your peace. No one is entitled to you just because they're titled to you. I'd like, I think I'm going to have to get that tattooed on me at some point because I say it every day. Like if I had a quote, no one is entitled to you just because they're titled to you, I think that would be my quote. Every day I say it and I hope that you hear my voice if you have a toxic parent who's trying to squash your boundaries or trying to stamp their authority over you, saying to you, these people are not entitled to you because they are titled to you. You deserve better, and you do not have to let them treat you however they want to treat you, because at the end of the day, there will be no regrets. There will be no amends letter, and even if there is, it's to what end? There will be no apologies that are sincere or meant. They will not shoulder the blame, and they will continue to live selfishly and sap your health to maintain a fictitious health for themselves. Speak to you again next week, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.